Welcome to a special Monticello podcast episode. I'm Chad Wollerton, Director of Digital Media and Strategy at the Thomas Jefferson Foundation. Recently, I had the great pleasure of sitting in on a conversation with Brandon Dillard, our Director of Historic Interpretation and Audience Engagement, Alan Taylor, a Pulitzer Prize-winning historian at the University of Virginia, and Martin DeCaro, an award-winning journalist at the Washington Times and host of their History As It Happens podcast. In this episode, we're sharing an excerpt of their talk that focuses on Jefferson's particular interest in religion and religious freedom. Their entire conversation can be heard by going to monticello.org slash H-A-I-H. Martin DeCaro kicks things off. Few areas of American history are as poorly understood as religion. I have a book here written by one Alan Taylor, American Revolutions. This is a pretty good book, Alan. Thank you. You say here that where Jefferson wanted a secular nation, evangelicals wanted a Protestant one, but without any one denomination favored by the state. This is in a chapter about uh, the disestablishment of the Anglican Church in Virginia. How would you respond to someone who says, you know, but Alan, we were founded as a Christian nation? Uh, Well, I would say we weren't founded as a Christian nation. That doesn't mean that there weren't a lot of people at that time who wanted us to be a Christian nation. But the, the people who get revered as the founding fathers were people who were trying to secularize the country. And what did Jefferson mean or what did you mean when you said Jefferson wanted a secular nation? Well, to say they want a secular nation means that they want um, the government to be out of the business of favoring any particular Christian denomination or, in fact, any particular faith and to allow people to have the complete freedom to choose for themselves without the government tilting the scale in any way. And how do you depict or interpret Jefferson's views on religion to your audiences here, Brandon, because this is a touchy subject too. It is. I mean, we, we've jumped right from race and well, we went from <laughs> politics in America to race in America to religion. Uh, and it's one of the things that I actually enjoy about my job because I think that the best way for us to progress as a nation and to progress as human beings is to actually listen to each other. And so all those things that you're told you're not supposed to talk about at polite dinner conversation, that's the stuff I do all day. Well, that's why we're talking about Jefferson. He touches (laughs) on all the important stuff. So, yeah, yeah, people have really strong ideas about, for obvious reasons, people's personal faiths, they inform who they are. But a lot of people have strong ideas about Jefferson's beliefs that aren't based in what Jefferson himself said. And they're based on things that they've read on, you know, Facebook or wherever. And I think that that's something that we have to contend with is helping visitors to sift through things that are written about the founders that are not true and to try and understand what Jefferson actually did mean when he said some of these things, which can be pretty hard for some people to read. Oh, he wrote some provocative things about organized religion, but he didn't hate Christianity. I think he hated priests or some priests. Well, priests, he has a broad definition of who a priest is. So a minister of any sort of mainstream Protestant church, such as the Presbyterians, he really didn't like Presbyterians. Uh, So so Jefferson does have his own prejudices in, in that regard. And he has, frankly, some unusual ideas. So he believed that you could have a Bible and you could take the miracles out and you could find a perfectly rational Jesus in there who was an ethical teacher. And he went about with a pair of scissors and some glue in order to produce his own Bible. I think he he referred to himself as a true Christian because of that. Yes. 
Which now people often take that quote out of context. When I say Jefferson was not a Christian, he did not accept Christ's divinity, they say, no, look, see, he said he was a Christian. Yeah, and that's yeah. certainly the case. Who did he mean by creator in the Declaration of Independence? Well, he does mean that there is a divine creator. He comes from a body of thought that we call deism, I would argue. He does believe that there is a divine creator of the earth who creates the laws of nature, and then he doesn't interfere in the operation of the earth or of humanity, but that he does expect certain ethical behavior from humans, and that Jesus was here on earth in order to convey the ultimate truths about ethical behavior. Jefferson's ideas on the freedom of religion and the free conscience of individuals in this country to worship as they see fit is the reason that this place exists as a historic site. And so it's really important to the story for us to talk about how Jefferson's ideas on the freedom of religion when he died, his house was sold because his debts were so great, and the house was purchased and protected by a Jewish family from New York, the Levy family, who admired Jefferson because of his views on religious freedom. They believed they were able to worship freely because of his ideas, and they protected it for almost a century. So technically, they lived here longer than the Jefferson family. Yeah, the idea that by not having the government favor one religion over another— you would have more religious diversity and religious freedom would thrive. Well, yeah, I think that if, if you are thinking that the government ought to intervene to favor your particular religious faith uh, and its social message, then you're not being a very good Jeffersonian. I think the separation of church and state is under attack now. Do you agree with me? Well, I do think that there are a lot of people in this country that would like to use government to criminalize behaviors that are contrary to their particular religious faith. Jefferson said that these things should be kept entirely separate. Yes, private. Religion's a private matter to Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, I mean, there is public yeah. worship, but he yeah. wants everybody to be able to publicly worship as they would like, and to tolerate one another. He founds the University of Virginia, and it's the only university in the land that did not have a religious chapel and that had no religious purpose, whereas every other college and university at that time did. So he very much believes in this notion that you're training this new elite for Virginia, that uh, religion should not be part of that education. My own bias is showing here. I'm, I'm an atheist, so I've enjoyed Jefferson's writings on, on these matters, although he was not an atheist. He's not an atheist. No, he did not like it when he was called an atheist. No, he didn't. A howling atheist is what he was called. <laughs> right. Ooh. All right, last subject before we wrap up here. Thank you for tolerating my meandering questions. What I come away with when I visit Monticello, Brandon, is Jefferson's belief in human progress. How do you convey that Jeffersonian ideal here? We talk about that a lot, and I think that that is the reality of looking at Jefferson's life and looking at the full measure of his complexity, which does include the fact that this is a man who believed in a democracy, that believed that people could govern themselves, but his vision of the people was limited. It's important to have that conversation, but maybe one of the most important aspects of it is that Jefferson himself knew that these things would change. And he wrote about that a great deal. And he had a radical vision of progress. One of the quotes that gets thrown around here a lot is that, you know, the earth belongs in usufruct to the living. The dead have neither rights nor powers over it. So by his own words, this conversation about Jefferson and what he thought having an impact on our world today, it has a legacy for sure. But he himself would have said it didn't really matter what he thought. 
Exactly. It brings us full circle. Why do we go back to the founders, these pre-Darwin, pre-modern, pre-industrial men living in an agricultural society? Well, I think there is some usefulness there. Yeah, and I think what Brandon just said is especially important. Uh, there are reasons to go back to Jefferson above all because he does not believe that the republic is locked into place and defined by the current constitutional arrangements of his own time. He hopes that it will evolve. He expects that it will evolve. And he thinks that human potential is virtually infinite. Uh, so as we've been discussing here, Thomas Jefferson's legacy is complicated. And the man in all his complexities and importance in the American story presents institutions such as Monticello, the challenge of preserving that legacy while also educating generations of people of all races, religions, and political persuasions. And we're going to build on that in our next conversation as History As It Happens goes on location, podcasting from Monticello with Brandon Dillard and Alan Taylor, a podcast from The Washington Times. Thanks, everyone, for listening in on this fascinating conversation. Again, if you want to listen to the entire conversation, go to monticello.org slash H-A-I-H, which will redirect to the History As It Happens podcast website, where you can also find part two of their talk. Join us again next week for a regularly scheduled episode of Mountaintop History.